0: Hey, thanks for being here. (laughs) We've come 5,000 miles to see what is probably the most um, popular, prominent, most well-known site of the Apostle Paul's ministry. And of course, this is the Mars Hill um, here at the base of uh, the Acropolis. And so just a couple of things to to remember to kind of situate what's happening here. A lot of times we think about Paul um, coming to the top of the Acropolis and sort of engaging in this sort of philosophy debate where he's eating grapes and he's, you know, pontificating about the Epicureans and the Stoics. And and that's really not what happened here at all. Remember that most of what Paul did was at the marketplace. You pronounce it how? Agora. So when Paul was in the Agora, that's the place where he would be entertaining folks. This is where he would be talking, sharing the gospel, uh, debating. The reason that he made it up here to Mars Hill was that wasn't so much to continue that Socratic discussion, um, he was actually having to stand trial. So this is where the Areopagus, the, the ruling elites were, and Paul was brought before them to explain more fully um, what it was that he was talking about in the marketplace. And so in a, in a lot of ways, this was their invitation to Paul to tell us Hey, hey! this is your one shot. Tell us, tell us about this, this, this one God, this Jesus Christ. Who, who is he? What, how does he distinguish from all the other gods? And you can just sort of tell that Paul has, has been thinking on this for a long time because it says in the Greek that he was stirred up, right? He was, he was agitated. He was chomping at the bit. He was ready to give a reason for the hope that was within him. And so so they brought him here to Mars Hill, the Areopagus, and they sort of gave him the floor. Now in just a second, um, Ron is gonna um, lead us through some of the particulars of Paul's um, speech that day, or his discourse, but there's just two things I want you to note about, um, about Paul's discourse, two elements of it that um, we oftentimes miss in our evangelism in the 21st century, okay? One of those is this idea of repentance. So, so re- a lot of times, when in our current context, we think about evangelism as inviting others to invite Jesus into what they are already doing. They're, they're already heading in this direction. Jesus will just help you become a better, a better uh, representation of what you were already going after. He's going to just help to get you to where you think you should already be going. And Paul's address reminds us that that's not what repentance is at all. Repentance is not um, us allowing Jesus to come along with us. It is Jesus calling us to attach ourselves to him. It means a whole new way of life. It means a radical reorientation. It means, a complete reversal, not 360, but a 180, where we are going in this direction, and now everything has changed because we are acknowledging King Jesus. And so Paul preached this gospel of repentance, and Mars Hill right behind us here. Paul also preaches the gospel of the resurrection. And one of the things we have to remember that that Paul uses as a part of his apologetic is that what distinguishes Jesus above all other gods is that he is the God-man. That he died, yes, but he rose again. And this is why we should listen to Jesus. This is why we should trust in Jesus. And those two elements of repentance and resurrection are are such vital parts of the gospel message that we wanna make sure we're always holding up for people. Jesus is not just a way. Remember, Jesus is what? The way, the truth, and the life, and we listen to him because he rose from the grave. So I'm going to invite Ron up to um, take us through a more specifics of the discourse, uh, which is very appropriate in light of where we are right now.
1: Thanks everyone. think about seven minutes. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So in my former presentation in Corinth, we we looked at the detail of first corinthians chapter 15 two points right that paul encouraged them that these truths that they held were, were true as, as true as those ruins then the second point was to remember anytime you see the greek letter theta is that you remember what those truths are right that christ died for sins according to the scriptures that he was buried that He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures that he appeared to Peter and then to the 12 and then he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time so we we uh, we hold these non-negotiables as true in our life and that was to the Christian Church so these are of first importance to Paul to that church but here we have a more as Paul was saying a more evangelical period and a more legal time period before the areopagus and so with this moment in time i want you to put the image of those buses our tour buses they pulled forward then they parallel parked, pulling back and then pulled in perfectly right paul he pulls in with the gospel with the resurrection with the repentance he has to back up and deal with issues of polytheism of idolatry of philosophy oh and then he pulls right back forward again and we have an initiation of a church all right so take that image with us here and what's going on here what we get is in act from act 17 from verse 6 to 16 to the end it becomes a real model of modern Christian apologetics right it's not as if Paul is apologizing for his faith no apologia it's a legal term it's a legal term to defend So you may have heard of books, A Ready Defense, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. This is what we get up here on Mars Hill by Paul in this chapter. And so he uses really modern apologetic principles of first cause, right, the Kalam cosmological argument that that which begins to exist must have a cause. The world began to exist, began to exist. It has a cause. Best first cause would be God. Issues of Uh, design the design of people and the design of the universe are addressed here issues of logic and reason he uses their own things that they were believing in at the time to deduct and help them induce God's presence and then the proclaimed historical facts as well as prophecy are going to be addressed here so I'm going to take you on a on a journey back in time, we've already seen some of the things, right? What, what happens on Acts 17, reported by Luke, is after Lydia's conversion, it's after the Philippian jailer. We have already had the mob at Thessaloniki and Jason appeasing them temporarily, but then they find him at you know, Berea, where I get my, my nice little Greek hat here, right? And then now, Paul is sent ahead from Berea, very early, right, by Silas and Timothy. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him because he saw that the city was full of idols. So Paul reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And they said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting, for you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know therefore what these things mean, how all the Athenians and the foreigners who live there would spend their time in telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst, does not live in temples made by man, is not served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed the day on which he will judge the world, and of this he has given assurance to all through a man whom he has appointed, and he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with him. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Lord, It is not a far reach to think that one of us here that believes in the truths of the gospel is a descendant of Dionysius or Demaris, a spiritual descendant. Uh, We can truly find our spiritual roots in this place and the the risks that Paul took in uh, bringing his case before the Areopagus and continuing to proclaim what he held so dearly true. So we pray that those that are here, when they come here, they, even if they don't know it, they are hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. They are in the command to repent and the, and the reality that there is a resurrected Savior that they can believe in. So in, it's in that spirit that we come to this place and that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah.